This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mr. Dylan Berry, welcome to the Career Musician Podcast. Oh my gosh, it's been like 800 years since we've seen each other. I know, prior to the zombie apocalypse, where the world came to an end. That's absolutely right. Just start off from the beginning. What got you into music and then the evolution of where you brought it today? Yeah, going way back, my mom and all of her friends used to sing around the campfire. And my mom was so full, she could rip. So I caught the bug early, it just made me feel good. I got my first drum kit when I was 10 and we didn't have a lot of money. I got like the snare drum first and then the next year I got the kick drum and one hi-hat. <laughs> so I kept building the kit after a while. Then I joined a band, I played Louie at the sixth grade talent show. And that's when I realized the power of music. Cause I was like, Dude. and I came off the stage there. We had 1200 kids in our middle school. And I was just like, just a normal kid. And then the next day I was a rock star and I was like, oh, I like this. This is fun. High fives all the way down the hallway from random people. I was like, this is cool. So I realized that it's a way to bridge all borders. Music, it's the language everybody can speak and, and you can do away with human and sociological or political issues or all of that and just be in music together. And so I built community around that. And that was really the thing that drew me to it the most. I like that because I always say that aside from demographics, geographics and all that stuff, it, music is the one thing that brings us all together. Yeah. It's the one thing we can agree on that nobody can live without. There you go. I and if they can, we don't need to hang out with them anyway, because they're just crazy. They're just like, <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. They're doomsday prepping somewhere and just no radio. Get awesome. That's so funny. I can tell I didn't know that you were a drummer by the start, but now that you tell me that and I see the drum kit in the back, it all makes sense. I'm like, you have a drummer's personality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a drum, I'm a drummer to the hill. I get a lot of shit because I'm a Scorpio. I'm yeah. a drummer, so whatever. No, what I mean by that is that you're super outgoing, you're very high energy, and I love that. I'm the same way, and to be honest with you, most of my best friends are drummers. Like, I'm not even kidding. I have like hundreds of drummers. <laughs> are we going to be best friends now, man? <laughs> I guess so. It was meant to be, bro. 
What do we got going on? Where are we going next? Let's go to Mexico. We're going fishing. Yeah, exactly. Let's All go. right. So when I first met you, I want to say probably mid 2000s, I was in, the, in, the, in probably in the beginning era of my over a decade stint with Babyface as his music director and guitarist. And you were not newly founded, but you were in the music library composition space with Smash House. Is that right? I was a, a composer. I guess I still yeah, am. Yeah, you still are, right? Yeah. yeah, occasionally stuff comes in. I'm like, I'll do it. Yeah, I just yeah, did yeah. A, a Netflix theme and some other stuff. But I was really composing all the time every day. And I was inspired because I'd heard your name around the block for a minute and obviously Babyface and everybody. And so I came down to the Tracking House. And it was this place, I guess Diane Warren owns it now. It's real songs right on, on Cahuenga. And I walked in there and there was like 12 rooms, six on each side and at the end, a big studio. And what he was doing was all of these different emerging writers that were dope, he put them in these different rooms, piped all their stuff into the big room and they'd all take turns tracking vocals and they call it the tracking house. So they're just cranking out music. And I'm like, I want one of these. <laughs> so that was the inspiration for Smash House. I'm like, okay, I'm going to open a facility. I'm going to do exactly this. And then I, that's really expensive. <laughs> and uh, I didn't sell as many records as Babyface at that time. I said, what if I do it digitally? And this is in 2008. It was, okay. It was like 14 megabyte upload speeds. It was like <laughs> one song took an hour and a half. Yeah. And, but I was like, I think this can work. And so I created the digital version of Tracking House which I was inspired by the Babyface connection that we had. That's and where that, Smash House came from. And that's how we got connected. I want to say that I think maybe even Brent Harvey connected yes. us because of he knew your affiliation and my affiliation. And then, yeah, there you go. And I saw your MA award there back in the yeah. background. So <laughs> big shouts to Brent Harvey, man. He's been so instrumental in supporting artists and doing the only award oh. show that gets composers and musicians and stuff really recognition for media music. That was pretty cool. I love it. I love it. I'm chuckling because I just did a promo video for Brent today <laughs> for the new website. I'm really stoked. And I had it sitting there. I was like, you know what? I'm going to leave it up. Dare I show all of the shit that I just threw to the side of the room, including my new oh, Bowflex, because I have to get myself in shape, everyone. But I yeah, know. there's I got some of those HMA deals. See? There. I won two of them, but the other ones he gave me graciously for hosting the, <laughs> nice. the second half of that show, which was a lot of fun. Big rep to all the indie musicians out there. Absolutely. And I really love what he's doing with the HIMAs now. Okay, so let's talk about that more. So you have this idea to turn it into a, a song factory in the music library slash composition kind of space. Is that right? Is that how yeah. Smash House... Really where it came from is I wanted, I was doing three TV series at any given time. You were? I, I, yeah, I was like wow. constantly all day long. It was all like history, National Geographic. I did America's Best Dance Crew with my boy Noah Lifshay. We were doing all this different stuff, but it was just like composing 18 hours a day, every day. And I was like, I'm gonna, and I had, I was starting to try to have babies. And I'm like, how am I gonna be taking care of babies and doing this every day? How do I duplicate myself? So I brought in some other people and I gave them work and they would fill out the sort of non-essential parts and I would do the hard scenes that I wanted to be just right. And then I created the digital platform. And then I was able to do those three shows in a third of the time because I filled in all that space that I didn't want to do and focused on the ins, the outs, the themes. The, and I took half of the money because that was the whole thing. I, I, and I apologize now that I helped 
pioneer that agency model because so many people have abused it and really hurt musicians. And that's why I transitioned Smash House to not be a middleman anymore. Just for the record, that's the only way we resurrect this shit. Excuse my language. I hope I can swear no, on this No, you can show. curse. I don't care. Yeah. I'm used to SoundCloud radio, bro. It's they encourage it. Musicians, um, come on. <laughs> so, so basically I created the model to be able to scale what I was doing because if you can't scale what you're doing, you cap out and you're done. And unless you're even Mike Post and all these guys that were cranking, they had people come in and track in house scaled what Babyface was doing because he couldn't do enough tracks to keep up. So that's what I did. That's where I came from. Wow. Oh, so the next thing I did is I realized, so this was funny. I put up a Craigslist post because this is all we had right in 2008 yeah. was Craigslist. Back then, Craigslist, yeah. I got a hundred thousand people that hit me on Craigslist. What? Going, I'm a musician. I want to get in. I was like, oh, I'm onto something. Unfortunately, 999,000 of them were terrible. But that other 1% or 0.01% became the stable. Literally, there was a Craigslist post. Two Craigslist posts was my team for 12 years. Wow. And we did every, we did the Emmys, the Oscars, the So You Think You Can Dance, MTV Music Awards. Comedy Central Rose Series. We did hundreds and hundreds of TV shows with that team. And yeah, and so that's where it came from. That's absolutely brilliant. Okay, so fast forward a little bit. After you you said you evolved to the model where it's just the platform, you took yourself out as the middleman, so to speak, and now it's becoming just a giant library of catalog. Is that correct? No, actually, How well, does it work? Yeah, part, of it, part of that's correct. Yeah, so essentially what I did is I realized that the model that I had created, because I was the first, I hate when people say that's so annoying, especially in this NFT world, I was the first and only, to, but I really was. Like I, there was other people that did something similar, but not as a custom music shop at scale. I created a platform that led others to realize that they could take advantage of musicians. And they did. And there's some of these jokers out there and punks running around doing this stuff where essentially they take, they say they're taking 50%, but then they have a 30% recoup. They're leaving maybe 10% to the artist. And then they're giving music away. So there's no upfront percent and they're giving away 50% of the publishing so they can stranglehold all of these opportunities. And I figured the only way to beat this is to remove the need for the middleman. So that those people who control the relationship and all the money go by and the company using them absorbs some of that value so that they'll use it as a preferred asset. And the creators double up on income because there's no middleman chop, chopping into it. Right. So these people can actually lower their expense a little bit, which doubles the what these guys are. If they're getting 10, it's vastly more. It's 80 percent of what they were getting before. Mm. Right? And then these guys are building internal assets which allow them to use this music as a preferred thing, because instead of paying these middlemen, they're paying the creator directly, which is just makes you feel better because you're paying the people that deserve to be paid. And they use those assets as preferred assets because they're actually saving money because they don't have to deal with the middlemen and they don't have to pay if they're part of the publishing, they don't have to pay for the publishing uh, of the, the networks don't have to pay whatever if you're doing it on a network level. So in other words, instead of going and giving all your music to a an extreme music or a middleman, that you can go and deliver it directly into the Sony music catalog, into the Warner mm -hmm. music catalog. And then they will use it on all their Warner productions because it's a valuable asset that increases the revenue and their bottom line 
which makes their shareholders happy and it employs millions of musicians. That's the yeah. Via Smash House, is that right? The, we, so we're just a communication platform. So we have all of these clients we've worked with since 2008, which is all the big TV networks and whatever. And we're allowing them to source the content directly. Got you. Okay. So when you look at the big pipeline clients we have, they have hundreds of productions with thousands of opportunities that they can push forward to curate content. So in some instances, we have a single pipeline. We're curating content for... 15 to 18 different properties that have hundreds of placement opportunities. So we're funneling this in around the gatekeepers. Okay. And that is how we're starting the company. And then eventually we're moving on to images, video, code-based content, and aspire to be the Amazon of all digital goods. So anything you need to make a television show, a metaverse, a game, you can find it in system all the way from wearables to avatars, to music, to audio, to voiceover. That's, what, that's where we're going. So this is where you're headed. And this is the ultimate marriage, if you will, of the tech world and the music and arts. Yeah. And we're employing the utility of NFTs because there's, tran there's transparency. There's smart contracts, which remove the need for you to trust me. You can say, here's my music. I'm obligated by this contract to automatically pay you on every year. Mm -hmm. There's full transparency. You're in control of your content. I'm not. So... There's a lot of things you can do with NFTs. Despite the negative press it's getting, it is literally going to be the foundation of how we operate forward in business in the creative arts, period. I, Anybody I, that disputes that, call me in two years. See yeah. if I was right. <laughs> you know who you sound like? And I love it. You sound like fucking Gary V. And Let's I'm, go. Where's Gary at? I, I love Gary. Listen, Gary. I, I, Gary's... I I want to get him on the show, actually. I you know what? Gary's dope. I got a lot of respect for Gary. Like, I've been listening to Gary V. Simon Sinek. Yep. These people, they've got really great advice. And what I like about Gary is this sort of bitch please attitude he has. It's, you right. know what? I'm just trying to tell you what you should already know. Yeah. Duh. You know, I love it. I love I, it. I like that. Hopefully, I'll run into him one of these days. He seems like he knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Okay, so that's the future of Smash House. That's the origin story. And then you no longer, you do one-offs, you say, when you feel like composing something that you really want to sink your teeth into. What keeps you busy 24-7? What's the day in the life of Dylan Berry, aside from your family life and your children? Yeah, so I have basically three different, I'm an entrepreneur, right? That's the simple version. I also am a talk show host. I do SoundCloud radio. I host things. And that side of my career, thankfully, which is really what I have a lot of fun, having the most fun doing, is starting to ramp up. So that's cool. So I'm hosting these big events and these activations and these different things coming up, which is pretty exciting. So that's taking some time. Smash House, obviously, my job every day is to build large media clients and make sure that they're posting opportunities and receiving music and basically to employ our user base. And then to support the business on the tech side, the development, which I'm really a very communal operator. I poll my community and go, what do you guys want? All right, we'll build it. And quite honestly, I'm investing a lot of my own money into this business because I believe in it. I'm passing through 100% of the income from all of these shows directly to creators. I'm not keeping any of it. I'm actually not financially, it's not, <laughs> it's, I'm spending more than I'm making, but I believe in this model a lot. And we're working with a bunch of amazing companies and properties. So 
That takes up a lot of my time. And then on the other side, we have enterprise clients that hire me with their content diversification strategies. And I take on a certain amount of those. So the consultancy. So this year I've got Gallo Records, which is the largest record label in Africa, 90-year-old record label owned by DJ Black Coffee. So I'm working with Coffee and his team and Simu and everybody to do their, basically a Web3 label strategy. Wow. And content diversification strategies. So they have all of the Jimi Hendrixes and the Drakes of Africa for the last 90 years on this label. Wow. And we're diversifying that content. Out There Music is the biggest all independent classical production music catalog or record label, basically, with classical music out of Belgium. So I represent them to get their music into Hollywood, film, television. Game. I'm working with Blip Billboards that has thousands of bl- digital billboards in the U.S. We've got one in Times Square. We've got them all over the country. And I developed a program with them to create affordable digital billboards for cr- the creative arts. So wow. a musician can go on and instead of doing a fa- Facebook or, or meta advertisement for 50 bucks, they can go and get their stuff on digital billboards for $50 and get hundreds of blips of six seconds each all over the country. So that's cool. We launched in Africa, Smash House Africa. That's Hardy McQueen is running that over in South Africa. And he is the one who brought in Gallo. We're working with Boomplay, which we're launching a Best of Africa music station on Dash Radio, which were the official music submission app for Dash Radio. There's all this ecosystem going on. So most of my day is navigating all of that. How did you sit down and start to mastermind all of these different strategies and partnerships and collaborations? It's very simple. I'm a matchmaker. And what I matchmake is I matchmake content creators with those seeking content in almost every instance. If you're working with a large artist, like we're going to be doing some stuff coming up with Timberland for some NFT drops. Timberland is a marketable product. He's got Beat Club, which can do derivative works of songs. We create a remix competition. I match make it with the NFT buyer community because I just hosted Future Shape 360 with Metanoise and those guys in Denver, which was like 360 of the top leaders in the NFT space, top artists. I pair them with the artists. Everybody sells out their NFTs. We move on. It's the sort of matchmaking role that I find myself in that allows me to make things happen for people in the creative industries at a platform level. Incredible, incredible. All right, so for the artist who's not a matchmaker, who maybe is a little more introverted, a little more artistically withdrawn into themselves and they want to get into all this cool technology like nfts and everything else where do you suggest they start how do they get their feet wet what do they do first so it is extremely daunting for every artist <laughs> on that's why every i'm asking level. yeah not for me but i'm just saying from the artist's perspective it's daunting yeah. for me too because i want to help everybody yeah. from the artist's perspective when you look at everything you think i can't do that i don't know how to, where to start where to go But the one thing you're not doing, most artists, is you're not creating a process, a regimen, and you're not waking up and spending two hours a day, I'm gonna hit 10 people on LinkedIn. I'm gonna create something today. You're not creating 
product and relationships. If you don't have relationships, you can't sell product. You could create all the content and product you want. It's just going to sit there on your hard drives. It's not going to yep. do anything. This is the, the reason why I'm so excited is because this is what I preach all the time with a career musician. You have to have a fucking daily routine, have yep. a system that you adhere to and have modules in which relegate certain things from here to here. I'm going to do this from here. So thank you. And I got to say, I, I have a unique perspective in doing radio for the last eight years and interviewing hundreds and hundreds of creators from superstars to emerging artists and influencers too. And the one thing that is synonymous between all of them is output consistency. I just kept doing it. I kept showing up. I kept putting in the work. I kept emailing the dudes. I kept emailing the senior VPs, Nancy and Sherry and right? And by being consistent, I built a business. Seems like a no brainer, but a lot of artists are like, oh no, I'm good enough that it's just going to go and I'm going to go viral. You're not going to go viral until you're going busy every freaking day. Constant. Yeah. Look at the chain smokers. I met the chain smokers and I interviewed them and it was right before roses came out and they got lucky, lucky with this, I'm gonna take a selfie song. And what they were doing is they were DJs at the bottle service clubs in New York. So what they did is we're DJing, where are the money people at? Where are the influencers at? They're at the bottle service. Let's go and focus on that. And they did it and they grind and they grind and then this influencer started popping off at a tweet and blah, blah, blah. And then they put out the song, all the influencers thought it was hilarious. They retweeted it, boom, it went viral. Mm. It only went viral because they put in the work to show up every day and do the bottle service clubs for five years. Wow. So there is no overnight success, really. Yes, there's young people, even Billie Eilish, mm. overnight success. Oh. They were developing her at age 14. Yeah, and they were, and her family was taking her around the world doing like little clubs and stuff. Her mom is from the Groundlings. Uh, my, my friend Ariane was at the Groundlings with her. Those are the people that breed yeah. the SNL crowd. She grew up in this improv world and this whole thing. But yeah. they were developing Billie Eilish at 14 years old. She didn't get a record deal until she was, what, 17? Yeah. I think she didn't hit until she was 16. Then she didn't hit until she was 17 and a half, 18. Yeah. So there's this, see, they were putting in work. I, so my advice to young artists is stop looking for something that doesn't exist in front of your face. Yeah. Do what you're capable of, harness the tools of the internet and diversify. Put 10 songs in different music production music catalogs that are non-exclusive. Go and make friends with other people doing exactly what you're doing at the same level. If they have 100 fans, now you have 200 because you partnered up and said, show me your 100, I'll show you mine. I always say that, start in your microcosm. Start with the people right here. Yeah. And by the way, pay attention to the people. If you can't build 100 fans, iterate because your music isn't resonating. Yeah. <laughs> if you can't build past your mom and your dad and everybody, yeah. they're just being nice. They don't think your shit's good either. Yeah. So right. change it up, A, B it against what's out there. But more importantly, just be consistent. Yeah. You'll yeah. find your, you'll find your, that, that thousand fan model is never more relevant than because with nfts and all of that you really can and it's not a rug pull you really can it's like the ultimate as my buddy scotty page says it's the ultimate rewards program for your fans it's if you are a fan of what i'm doing i'm gonna give you so much back
I'm going to give you yeah. swag. I'm going to give you advanced t-shirts. And then when I blow up like Billie Eilish or whatever, if I do, it's because of you and I'm taking you with me. That thousand true fan model, don't focus on people that don't care about you. Right. Focus on the people that do and tell them to tell a friend. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's yeah. the, that whole Seth Godin premise. I love yeah. that. I really love and it's that. True. And it's, it's true. very true. Absolutely. Now, sidestepping, you mentioned something a minute ago about non-exclusive libraries. Submit your material to 10 non-exclusive library houses or catalogs or whatever. That's a, that's a really big issue, especially here in LA in the big publishing towns, New York, LA, Nashville, and so forth, Miami. Talk about that because I know a lot of people who hate non-exclusive and are just absolutely 100% against it. Yeah. And by non-exclusive, look, give five songs to five exclusive catalogs. Exclusivity, from my perspective, is far better because non-exclusive is a nightmare. It also deteriorates the market. So I totally agree with you. So I did misspeak there from what I support and don't support. What I mean is diversify your content. Hey. Certainly do your research. Non-exclusive catalogs saw their heyday. And especially with YouTube ad rev and all these stuff, it's more of a problem than a solution. Hey. So give exclusive content to multiple. So funny you say that because I want to really make it clear. Again, early 2000s, mid 2000s, that's where I started, non-exclusive libraries. And I got a lot of traction. But like you said, as the technology advanced and digital watermarking came about, the publishing backend just got so confusing. And yeah. not only that, like you said, it diluted the waters of the actual power of the music. The problem is when you look at your business, here's your business, you've got risk, you've got reward, right? There was not the risk of having issues with multiple people flagging the same song. So I have shows that I've done that were obviously my shows. Nobody else's music was on it, that these other production music catalogs were flagging me for and trying to claim my revenue. And it became the rear guard battle, which chewed up 10% of my time, which wasn't worth it because 10% of my time chewed up 30% of my, 40% of my income, right? And it was time wasted and it was backwards and it was ugly. So that's when everybody converted to exclusive. And the other thing is I couldn't do things with the catalog that I had built with all of my community because of those legal, potential legal issues. And it wasn't even that I, that it was a legal problem for me because I had the right to use them. It was a bandwidth problem and try to go you need to remove this and emails and call the person. Yeah, dude, this is my show. I did this show. Can you please remove it? Ah, maybe I'll remove it. Dude. Assuming that you can get a person on the phone. Yeah, and, yeah, and they don't want to answer it because right. by not answering it, they're collecting your money. Yeah, exactly. Or they're messing with their competitor. It yeah, was just, yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. ugly. So I actually pulled six years ago from the catalog yeah. world. And I only relaunched when the pandemic hit because I saw my friends suffering. And I didn't really want to go back into this space. And the only way that I would go back into the space was if I could help the industry resurrect this race to the bottom. And here's how I am doing that is by removing middlemen and gatekeepers, I can provide assets to companies. The assets that go to the companies are, it, the more those companies offer, the better assets and the more of them they're going to get, which gives them a stronger position and a bigger asset base. The people that are trying to gouge people, they get called out real quick and canceled right away. So you begin to know really quickly which of these big studios 
are the most fair, that mm-hmm. are that care about the community, that also can know how to do a business because they're thinking of their bottom line, not just mm. what do I get for free. And I gotta say, I'm not. And I, I, there's a lot of people. The problem is if you're a production company, and somebody says that four hundred thousand line item, don't pay it anymore, and we're gonna give you fifty percent of the publishing. They're not going to say no. So even these good people that morally know it's, they're just not going to say no because, well, everybody else is doing it. So now everybody's doing it. And guess what? Musicians are making nothing. And the whole, you're going to make money off residuals, not true. You're going to make 0.001% of what you used to because nothing's on network television. Ad rev spread out everywhere now from influencers. So you got to know the game if you're going to beat it. And I have the privilege of knowing that game and I'm working with very good people to on an on a inside out enterprise top down level are trying to reverse that race to the bottom. I love that. And also I have to run a business. And the only way that I can do that without participating in people's IP or their relationships, I charge them Dropbox storage fees. I drop them song space brandable playlists and shareable this is and that's fees and that's how we're building the ecosystem so that's how you keep the lights on for the company yeah so to speak. that's it yeah and like i said i'm investing a lot of my own money from other things I, into right, this because right, right, i believe right. in it but once we get to a level of because the thing is i can't i also can't serve bad creators so it's a when you take the hundred thousand model i can only serve the because i if i can't help you i don't want to take I, your money i don't want to mess with you see and yeah. that's the thing Be, being a new where are you from i'm from seattle of original build i've been in la for many years okay being a new yorker a tried and true cuban italian new yorker i cannot tell a lie <laughs> <laughs> like, we should play poker sometime <laughs> how much money you got I suck. I suck at poker. <laughs> Me too. Uh, I got no poker face. Because first of all, I don't really understand the game, but I never really cared to take the time. But here's the thing. <laughs> it's hard for me to make believe that, oh yeah, oh, your music is good. I'm cringing. I'm like, ah. Uh. Matter of fact, I've had very close people to me get upset because they asked me what I think and I preface it. Do you want me to tell you as a professional or do you want me to tell you as your relative or buddy or so yeah so we just launched a thing in smash house called smash house connect and it was a test and we sold 50 dollars consultations for 20 minute slots with a and r reps and music supervisors okay and we paid them pretty much all (laughs) actually we lost money on it but what ended up happening is that actually there's different kinds of people People that can take criticism. There's people that are narcissists and get too damaged and think everybody's wrong. There's people that just won't listen to a damn thing you say because they know better. And unfortunately, artists tend to fall into that last category in many ways, and they have to be bold with their art. What ended up happening is I had a couple people cancel Smash House because an A&R person told them, look, this isn't competitive. I'm sorry. I get music every day, but I've been doing this for 10 years. And 50 Cent said, been hustling a long time and still ain't got nothing. Damn, homie. Maybe you should consider looking at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I realized that sometimes true advice isn't the right advice. I personally don't like to critique people's music. Uh, 
but I'll critique their production and I'll critique, like, I'm not going to look stylistically genre. I'm not going to say my opinion of it, but I'm going to tell you this bass is over compressed too loud. If you AB this against the track that you want it to sound like, does it sound as good? Not really. And here's why, why ABC. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Performance wise, breath control was a little off. You yeah. could work on this and that, try to keep it positive. But I would say 90% of the time when I'm honest with people, they thank me for it. No, okay. Not 90%. Because no one will tell them that. Their That's friends right. won't. Their family won't. They don't want to hurt the person's feelings. That's right. But I, people tell me stuff all the time that they're honest about. It hurts my feelings, but I go, but I think about it. We have to. That's and one. I iterate. Of, yes, that's another pillar of the career musician that I truly believe in is that you have to develop a really keen self awareness and you have to be aware and how you can improve and grow because that's where evolution comes through that process. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. And I'll say one thing that might change people and how they think about it. Uh, Who do you surround yourself with? Yeah, if you surround yourself with a bunch of people that you're smarter than, you're more industrious than, you're not learning anything and you're not going anywhere. No. I surround myself with brilliant minds where I feel like a dumb shit every single day and it makes me smarter. Amen. Yes. And it's you have to be humble to do that because it's intimidating to walk in that room <laughs> and be the one in the corner going, but you got to do it. <laughs> so take a strong look at your community because yeah. it's very telling at who you are. That's right. Do you need people to fall under you because you're the best and the smartest for everything? Because you're the head maybe, honcho, right. Maybe right. that is a disadvantage to you because you're not. Oof. No one is. So you know, true. Gary Vee is a brilliant guy, but there's somebody he sits with that makes him feel stupid. Said, my friend, said, I was part of a hiking group for a while. That was just like that. I felt like I was the newbie, the little kid just coming in and like, my ears, I always say another thing, ears wide open, mouth shut. Yeah. Just listen, eyes and ears wide open, mouth shut. Just listen and taking it in, absorbing it. And so 100% kudos well, to you. And a good barometer for that is if you ever go surfing. Because you know what? You go out there, oh, I'll take you out surfing. The person that's put in those hundreds of thousands of hours, be a little fat, pot-bellied old dude who's <laughs> 72 years old. He's like, come on, I'll take you out. You go out and think, I'm ripped. I've been working out every day. You get your ass handed to you. He's ducking every wave. Nothing. Like getting away. You cannot tell who is a ninja by their physical form or by the way they present themselves. You never know who's a triple black belt assassin. So it's usually the most soft-spoken to themselves humble. type people. Yeah, yeah, humble. And I, that's what I tell people. You go to LA and those people that are dressed to the nines and could oh. show up in the Lambos, those are not the operators. No. The operators show up in a t-shirt, Yeah, sit in the corner, a little coffee. 
So nobody they, knows who they look are. Look for those guys. Look for a couple gray hairs too. <laughs> those are the people running shit. It's not the other people. Those Man. people don't line up at the door. They go in the back door. That's right. And you don't even see them come or go. Yeah. Ah, they don't even come. They're there at home with their feet up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they got to work that hard. Love but, it. Yeah. Anyway. I, I love it. Uh, all right. So am I allowed to talk about the syndicate? Yeah. I get, We could talk about that. So, yeah. So the syndicate. As is, if you don't have enough shit on your plate. I want to hear about that, too. Well, I'm a part of this amazing group of people. It's a global community. It's called the syndicate. It's a not so secret society of leaders in the entertainment and web three industries now. And essentially what it is, an alpha group of alpha groups. I have my experience of my walks of life, the other founders and the other people on the board and the high council and the leadership of the syndicate all have their networks and they're very powerful networks. And we put them all together so that we're zero to one degree of separation from anybody we need to know to do big things. And we do, <laughs> we do really cool stuff. So it's really people doing amazing things. It doesn't, yeah, we have celebrities and stuff in there, but it's not about that. It's not CAA, it's not trying to be the, it is a, it's like the Illuminati of the industry. And it's really dope. So if you ever see the syndicate crest, it's like a little crest that looks like a phoenix rising out of the ashes. We've got all these different amazing people from these different, companies that are running, basically running Hollywood and Web3. Words of advice, words of wisdom. They're struggling to make it. They want to make it. Finance. Fact. Should have gone into finance. That's <laughs> what I'll tell them. Fuck's wrong with you? You stupid or something? No. Look, I believe this firmly with all of my heart is we are stepping into a revolution in the content space. Anybody creating music, images, video, and I'm not just saying this because my business is doing that, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I see it. We're stepping into something that is going to change business and is changing business for creators. Gabe Weiss making $2 million in five minutes. Okay. It is hard to sell paintings as an independent artist and make $2 million in five minutes unless you're freaking Banksy. He just did it. So did the other one. So did I mean, yeah, that's like beyond next level shit. Yeah. So the utility, and you can you just don't quote me on it now because everybody feel oh it's a rug pull, but you just wait. The utility of NFTs allows creators and content holders to do so many things and to have trustless contracts. So when you walk in a writer's room, you never have to say I, you said I got ten percent. Because it's done when you walk in and go click, click. There's all these different things. We're going to be able to seamlessly track content using the blockchain across all venues that it aired on. It And I'll tell you why. If you're a songwriter, right now, good luck getting your music. 90% of it is not tracked, lost, registered wrong on a cue sheet. It's all manual. It's all from the 20s, right? It's terrible. On the blockchain, you have an indisputable reference of ownership as a ledger. That can be tracked using AI and checked and cross-checked using actual people as well to validate that. You can create an NFT for every instance of every license of every show you play, of everything you've done to accurately track everything you do and trustlessly get paid automatically. That's coming. So right now is a wonderful time to be a creator if you show up and put in the work. If you don't, you might as well quit. I love That's it. my opinion. 
I love it. Dylan Berry right here on the Career Musician Podcast. I'm honored to have you have me on your show, man, because I've been watching your career for so many years, man, and it's great to reconnect here. And thank you for having me on, bro. I appreciate you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.